Okay, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for another day just to be here, to be alive another day by your grace, being able to breathe and see and hear your wonderful word. Help us never take this privilege for granted, Father. We thank you for the freedom you give us in our country, the freedom to worship you and to honor you in this way. Father, at this time, we also pray for those in our congregation who are sick and who are struggling. You know who they are and everything they're going through. We ask that you increase their faith and their confidence in you. And we ask your healing hand upon them. Of course, Father, your will be done, whatever it is, to your glory. But we do ask for your grace and mercy towards those who are suffering. Father, we also thank you especially for Jesus Christ, for sending your Son down to earth 2,000 years ago to remove our debt once for all, to pay our fine for those of us who would repent and believe in him. We are so grateful, eternally grateful. Father, please bless this message. Have it be glorifying to you. Guide us by your Holy Spirit and help us understand supernatural spiritual things we ask these things in Christ's precious name and it's by the power of your spirit we pray amen okay as you can see we're starting a special series tonight our attitude towards wisdom so this will be our topic for the next few days at least as pastor is away and uh, we'll see what God has to say so uh, first of all, a couple of questions to kind of introduce this subject. Do you ever remember your parents or grandparents saying you need an attitude adjustment, mister? Right? Or maybe a friend of yours says, man, you've got to change your attitude. In other words, your attitude stinks right now. We've all heard those things, or we've said those things over the years. And if you think about it, even the world, or even in the world, people can see a bad attitude getting in the way of seeing clearly or even thinking, thinking positively. So that's how we're going to start this off, this subject off tonight. I was thinking about the emphasis in the world, especially with self-help and business programs, to have a positive attitude. That's a pretty regular thing preached, if you will, in the business world, especially in the sales world. Have a positive attitude. Well, they're on to something, in principle, at least, but not in power. The problem is they do it from a confidence in self position. They do it from confidence in self, mustering up some self-esteem, and ignoring the negatives around them by some type of human will and effort. In other words, I'm going to be positive no matter what it takes. Even if everything's going wrong, even if um, you know there are things I even have to address, I'm almost going to ignore the negatives just so I can stay positive. And it's, it's, a, it's like a forced thing that takes place by the human will in that case. 
But I really do believe, and I hope you believe too, that God wants we believers to have a positive attitude in life. And I, I know for me over the years, this I kind of overlooked this. Um, I kind of got so down on the world's viewpoint of that theory, if you will, that philosophy, that I, I put it aside in the spiritual realm as though God doesn't want us to have a positive attitude about life which is pretty foolish if you think about it. He wants we believers to look on the bright side of things. He really does. Why? For one simple reason. God, the Almighty, is with us and for us. So in other words, He wants us to carry a positive attitude around every day of our lives, um, even about our futures, because of our confidence in Him. Not our confidence in self or the flesh, our confidence in Him. Our confidence in Him, as our last recent series, should be so great as we go through the Word of God that we're positive every day because of Him, because of how awesome He is, how gracious He is, how powerful He is. We could go on and on and on. So that should make us walk with heads held high and even looking towards the good things to come not some negative skeptical attitude that we see here in New England quite often. And, you know, another side story of this is that people are going to see your light shining more and more because of the negative attitudes that exist in our, our area, at least. I won't say for the whole country, but definitely in New England. The skepticism, the anger, the resentment, the uh, coldness. Like the Bible says in the end times, love will grow cold. We kind of see it happening before our eyes. But the good news is people will listen to us for the gospel because they see this light, this confidence, this, this legitimate positive attitude. Not one that's faked or mustered up. A legitimate good attitude about life and what's to come because we're confident in God. So, as from our recent series, if we have confidence in the Lord and His goodness... We will be positive about life, even in adversity. Listen, Jesus said you're going to be blessed and you're going to be persecuted. All right, those things are both going to happen in your lives, especially following Christ. We're going to be persecuted for his name. But we can be positive about it. We, to know that our persecution means blessing in heaven for all eternity doesn't that make you positive about adversity? That there's actually not only a reason, but a reward? Obviously, we don't deserve any of it, but the Word states it very clearly. So we can be positive and should be positive about life because of our confidence in God and His plan and in His wisdom. So He sets us free to do that because of what He's done. So, on the board, about having a positive attitude. We believers should go about life with a positive attitude for one reason only, because we have confidence in the Lord and His goodness. God is with us and for us. It's that simple. There's no other reason we should have a positive attitude. For example, we shouldn't have a positive attitude because of ourselves or our own strength, our own wisdom or smarts. No, all those things are gifts from God. 
But the one reason we should, and the only reason we should, is because God is with us and for us. We have confidence in the Lord and His goodness. And just some examples of this are found in Psalm 46.1, Jeremiah 20.11, Romans 8.28-32, and 1 John 4, verse 4. So whenever we lose our way spiritually, whenever we get in a funk and we're being negative, a negative attitude, let's just say, is not from God. Is that fair to say? That's not what He's designed us to walk in. Will we be sad at times? Absolutely. Will we mourn at times? Absolutely. Will we have righteous anger at times? We should. But that doesn't mean we walk around with a negative, skeptical attitude about life. Whenever we lose our way spiritually, we must go back to the simplest of truths. And this point on the board, it really is one of the simplest of biblical truths. God is with us and for us as believers. So on the board, we have Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So if that doesn't give you confidence, I'm not sure what will. If that doesn't give you a positive attitude, even when you're in trouble, I don't know what to tell you. You need to pray for more faith, right? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Turn in your Bibles to Romans 8, 28. Romans 8, 28. You're familiar with this passage, but we'll see a couple of different emphases in this as we read it, a few verses. Romans 8, 28 through 32. It says, we know, and let's stop right there. We know. That's a key factor. If we don't know all these things about God, if we don't have his wisdom, which is our topic, our attitude towards wisdom, if we don't know God this way, then we're not going to be positive. But when we know God and we gain his wisdom, we will be positive. Because we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up or delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? The attitude of faith is a positive one because of confidence in the Lord. Confidence in passages like this and promises like this. Just look at the simple questions in verse 31 and 32. If God is for us, who is against us? And how will he not also with him freely give us all things? So we have to stop and remind ourselves of such obvious truths and perspectives, especially when we're negative. When we're negative, we're not thinking correctly. We're not thinking biblically. 
on the board. Jeremiah 20, verse 11, part A in the NIV. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior, so my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. If that doesn't give you confidence and a positive attitude about whatever you have to face, again, I'm not sure what will. The Lord is with me like a mighty warrior, so my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. Again, our point on the board, having a positive attitude, we believers should go about life with a positive attitude for one reason only, because we have confidence in the Lord and His goodness. God is with us and for us. So the last verse here in this point, go to 1 John 4, verse 4. 1 John 4, 4. All the way before Revelation. First John 4, 4. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. How do we not have a positive attitude when Jesus Christ lives inside of us? The only way we don't is we forget these wonderful simple, powerful realities. So let's start off on the right foot in our souls on this series. And I want to transition this positive attitude God wants us to go about life with to your attitude towards his wisdom. All right? Think about that for a minute. God wants us to walk around life with a positive attitude because of who he is. Let's transition that same attitude towards his wisdom. So every day, we should be looking forward to the wisdom we can gain about the Lord, particularly about his wonderful person, about his person in particular. We should be looking forward to the wisdom we gain about the Lord every day, particularly about his wonderful person. As came out on Sunday... Knowing God is the greatest form of wisdom we could ever have. Knowing God. It's about knowing Him. Getting to know Him more and more, closer and closer in an intimate relationship. That's the greatest form of wisdom we could ever have. For example, we saw this past week, Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord... Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me. Not that he memorized the Bible. Not that he knows Scripture, you know, backwards and forwards for the sake of knowledge. Remember, Jesus said the Scriptures are there to know about him. Let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. Here's a good example of what the Lord wants us to know about him. 
that he executes or exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, and that he delights in those things. So therefore, we should delight in those things as we get to know him as a friend and as a father. So our series title again is Our Attitude Towards Wisdom. How do we look at wisdom and getting to know our God and Savior? Are we actually eager to gain it? Or is it almost an afterthought in our daily walk? Do we look forward to it, in other words, with a positive attitude? To gaining a greater understanding of our God and His thoughts? I mean, I'll be honest with you, that's not the first thing that comes to my mind every day. Getting to know His person. Getting to know Him better. It's not the first thing that comes to my mind every day. I, you know, I overall want to learn. I want to go to the Word and learn, learn more. But I, I sometimes forget it's about Him and getting to know Him. So knowing and believing that He is our true teacher and He can help any of us get it, so to speak, regardless of intellect, that's something we should look forward to by faith. He can, he can help any of us get it, even if we struggle reading our Bibles. I've, I've met some people, even in our own congregation, when we first started reading our Bibles with that emphasis, who flat out said, I, I don't get it. I can't, I, I'm having the trouble. I don't get it. I'm having trouble understanding it. And now, three, four years later, those same people are reading the Bible every day with joy and getting stuff out of it. And it's, God can help any of us, whatever our quote-unquote handicaps are, weaknesses are, um, you know, might not be good readers, who knows? God can help us get it. Do we have the faith that God can help us get it? That's the point. Do we have the positive attitude that God can teach us supernatural things? His Spirit is the teacher. So, also remember... We might say God specializes in teaching the simple and the meek. Isn't that who Jesus called? The uneducated ones? So, with this good news in mind, we should have a really positive attitude about learning. That God can overcome any quote-unquote handicap we might have. Uh, go to 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6. 1 Corinthians 2, 6. Again, we're talking about seeking wisdom and our attitude towards wisdom. 1 Corinthians 2, 6. Paul writes, Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are passing away, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. Now, what the heck does that mean? The hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. That almost doesn't make sense, right? Isn't it all to the glory of God? But see, God, I was reading this earlier just thinking how unselfish he is. Like what a giver he is. He, remember the other passage we read in Romans 8? He also glorified. Talking about us. So anyway, 
see what the Spirit shows you on this. The hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which not, have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us, God revealed them through his spirit. We understand these things supernaturally through his spirit. For to us, believers, God revealed them through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Again, we should always carry with us a positive attitude that the Lord will help us get it and help us see and understand him better every day if that's our heart's desire he will do it and just as another encouragement on the board look at 1st John 2:27 in the New Living Translation but you have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you so you don't need anyone to teach you what is true for the spirit teaches you everything you need to know and what he teaches is true it is not a lie so just as he has taught you remain in fellowship with christ now of course this doesn't mean we don't need a pastor or a shepherd to guide us along we know holy scripture tells us that too right so why does it say the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. Why does it say you don't need anyone to teach you what is true? Because does your pastor go home with you in your head and help you understand the lesson you just learned? Obviously not. He can't do that. So even what the pastor teaches and is led to bring forth and challenge us with, who helps us understand it? We need the Spirit's help, don't we? To learn anything, to understand any of this. And that's what it means when it says the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. Ultimately, He's the only one that we can get it from. So, of course, uh, this doesn't mean we don't need a pastor or a shepherd to guide us. But who helps us understand the things our pastor and shepherd teaches us? Only the Spirit can help us understand the things of God. What did we just read in that passage? Who knows the mind of God but the Spirit of God? Just like you, who knows your mind but your own Spirit within you? Same with God. And we have His Spirit in us so we can understand the things of God. A pretty neat passage when you dwell on it. So by faith, do you have a positive attitude about discovering God's wisdom? That's kind of the, the big question on the table, like, you know, big picture question for this series. 
By faith, do you have a positive attitude about discovering God's wisdom? Expecting to receive understanding from the Spirit each time you open your Bible. The Spirit brought this up too on Sunday, I believe, where a pastor was saying, every time you open up your Bible, you should walk away with something or you're not going in it with the right attitude. So the Spirit is saying this to us again. When you open your Bible, do you expect, not on your own intellect, but do you expect by the power of God to receive understanding every time you open your Bible? You really should. And another question that goes with that is, is it really important to you? Is that your desire, the desire of your heart, honestly? If not, just need to pray about it more. So we're talking about our attitude towards wisdom on the board. Attitude, a close relative of perspective, is something very vital to our spiritual lives. This being so important because God simply and always looks at the heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7. These things are all very closely related. Attitude, perspective, and the heart. Right? The heart, you think of motivation, hopefully, by this point. What's my motivation? 1 Samuel 16, 7, right? Man looks at the appearance. God looks at the heart. So again, on the board, what's your attitude towards wisdom? Attitude, a close relative of perspective, is something very vital to our spiritual lives. This being so important because God simply and always looks at the heart. The Spirit has been on us about this topic, if you think about it, just coming at us from different angles and different, you know, key words even. But apparently he's not letting up on this, sub- this subject. After all, he is after our hearts, so it kind of makes sense. So sit back and buckle up and enjoy the ride. Don't kick against it if you think you've already heard some of this. Um, this is from God. He wants us to dwell on this from a different angle. So let's begin this way as we examine our hearts before the Lord in this series on the board. Some key considerations in your soul. Do you look at wisdom as riches and wealth? Honestly, do you look in your own soul as, at wisdom as riches and wealth more than the riches and wealth of this world. We're going to look at Matthew 6, 33 and 13, 44 through 46. Another key question to think about is how often do you pray for wisdom? How often do you pray for wisdom and why not? We're going to see 2 Chronicles 1, verse 10 a little bit later. So these are a couple key considerations for our souls in this series. Do you look at wisdom as riches and wealth? And how often do you pray for wisdom? The Bible teaches if we don't look at wisdom as something of priceless value, we're not seeing correctly. We're not seeing clearly. If we don't look at wisdom as something of priceless value, way beyond the value of any physical wealth in this world. If we don't look at it that way, we're not seeing clearly. We don't have the right perspective. 
Ironically, as we desire certain things in the world that we think will make us happy, it's God's wisdom that ends up granting us all the things we desire. So says the Bible. The happiness, the peace, the love, the contentment, the things that money can't buy in this world. Wisdom ends up giving it to us all. Gradually, over time, and guess what? It's solid. It's like on a solid rock foundation. It's not like something that's here one day and gone tomorrow. When you lose the things that you think you got to make you happy. So it comes slower, but it's solid. You know, and hopefully you can see that in your lives as, as you've been reading your Bibles. Um, I know I can. Thank God that, you know, he's working on all of us, right? If we're pursuing him. And it's a solid foundation that goes beyond the things of the world. Transcends. So, on the board, um, our Lord said this when he was with us in the flesh, in Matthew 6.33, in the Amplified. But seek, aim at, and strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. And then, all these things taken together will be given you besides. We see God's priorities for us. And we also see the order in which these things come. And they may come over time, something that our patience isn't used to. But love is patient, remember. So consider this verse. It sounds like something that happened to Solomon. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, his wisdom. All these things taken together will be given you besides. All the things mentioned in, in Matthew 6 before verse 33. And this translation on the board fits this week's discussion well, as we will see. So keep in mind our topic, our attitude towards wisdom. It's seeing things clearly from God's perspective that gives us true freedom in this life. So the Spirit's got a few more questions for us. Hold on to your seats. Some more key considerations in the soul. What's your heart's attitude towards gaining God's wisdom? And is it truly a priority or desire in your heart? These hurt. I mean, if we're honest, like towards ourselves, these questions hurt because if we're honest, we know this isn't us all the time. Hopefully it's us some of the time, but let's face it, you know. Our uh, priorities, our motivations are not always pure. So the Spirit's saying, I want you to examine this. I already know, God says, I want you to examine this. And, and if you have a problem with it, don't get condemned. You know, ask me for help, the Lord would say. But at least be honest and know where you stand. What's your heart's attitude towards gaining God's wisdom? Is it truly a priority or desire in your heart? We might say, what priority is it in your heart? Is it number 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 10, 20? So the Lord illustrates the attitude of a true believer with two short parables. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 13, 44. Matthew 13, 44. 
This came up, um, I want to say, a couple weeks ago. So again, the Spirit is honest about this. Um, the idea of seeking and finding with all your heart. Matthew thirteen forty four. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Do you see the attitude of these people once they discovered the truth of the kingdom of heaven? It's pretty obvious. Their attitude is nothing compares. We might dare say it's a positive attitude. Nothing compares. I'll do whatever it takes to have this kind of attitude. I'm willing to give up everything for this. At this point in this passage, note the words found and finding. And think about the call from our Lord to seek and you will find. Seek and you will find this treasure, the kingdom of heaven. I believe it's his person. I believe it's his person. What is the treasure? Who is the kingdom of heaven, right? Who is the truth? Just something to think about. So we're going to be merging this with a slightly different subject. All right, so you see the points on the board to consider again. What's your attitude or your heart's attitude towards gaining God's wisdom? Is it truly a priority or desire in your heart? We're going to be merging this with a slightly different subject. So as Pastor would say, now's the time to concentrate because there are several moving parts. Remember as we read excerpts from one of Pastor's recent blogs on obedience, that obedience comes from wisdom. So in other words, you're not going to have obedience, true obedience, without having the wisdom to obey, the wisdom to know his commands even. So it's clear that wisdom comes from God, even in the area of obedience. So let me share with you a few key statements from one of Pastor's recent blogs. A cold shell of obedience from the blog of 8219. There are two kinds of obedience, that which is done in love and that which is not. So now, think about that and, and merge that with this thought. There are also two ways we can seek wisdom, out of love or not out of love. Remember, the Spirit's been telling us, how do you seek? How do you read your Bible? What's your attitude going into it? Because that's going to determine what you find. So says God, I'm not going to release my treasures to you and let you discover these uh, priceless gems if you don't have the right attitude going in, if you don't really want to know, we might say. Sounds like a good parent to me. 
So again, on the board, there are two kinds of obedience, that which is done in love and that which is not. In like manner, there are two ways we can seek wisdom, out of love or not out of love. Out of love for God or out of a different motivation that's not pure, like the love of God is pure. So we're back to an age-old question, why do we do what we do? Why are we even at church right now? Why do we open our Bibles? Are we really seeking wisdom? His wisdom? And if so, are we doing it for our own gain in some way? Or because we love Him? Tough questions. But on the board, again, there are only two kinds of obedience, that which is done in love and that which is not. Are we seeking God's wisdom out of love for Him, His person? and out of a desire to even get to know him better. In this series, we're going to note Solomon's prayer for wisdom and also the Queen of Sheba's recognition of it. And hopefully, we'll be able to see their attitudes towards God's wisdom. What was their attitude? How did they look at God's wisdom? Hopefully, we'll be able to see if the love of God is motivating their search for wisdom, because that is the ultimate, we might even say, that's also the only thing God really accepts. So on this note, uh, we've also been challenged recently to be like the Bereans, if you remember, who sought the truth with great eagerness in Acts 17.11. We're not going to go there tonight, but it says they sought the truth with great eagerness Sounds like a positive attitude to me, right? Or an expectant attitude. Maybe one with even confidence in God, that God, the Holy Spirit, will show them what they need to see in the Scriptures. And for seeking wisdom to be godly, this is kind of the side point now that's coming into this. For seeking wisdom to be a godly thing, it must be done while maintaining the same love. It must be done in love for it to be of God, for it to be of His Spirit. So turn in your Bibles to Philippians 2, verse 1, as a reminder of this. Philippians 2, verse 1. Again, for seeking wisdom to be godly, it must be done while maintaining the same love. Philippians 2, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. If we're going to pursue the things of God, He desires we do it in love. In other words, love must not be allowed to go by the wayside. And I'm trying to say this in a certain way, like the spirits give me a certain thought of how I look at it because I know sometimes I go throughout my day and the best way I could say it is love kind of slips to the wayside. In other words, it's not out in front. It's not leading the way. Like when you witness to someone, right? When we 
tell anybody the truth. Love is supposed to be out in front. The one thing they should never leave you with is a question mark of if you love them or not, if you care about them or not. Even if they don't get what you said, they're going to remember whether you love them or not, right? So in anything we do, the love has to be out front. So in our search for wisdom, we mustn't let love just go to the wayside as though it's there when we need it, maybe. Love should be our motivator. Love should be the reason we seek God. Because he loved us first, right? If you're struggling to muster up love for God, right? Don't do that in the flesh. Just consider that he loved you first. He was kind to you first. So now that should motivate us. Love must be out in front, even in our search for wisdom. Or it's going to be fruitless and empty in God's eyes. It's going to be like an exercise that means nothing. Kind of like a ritual without the heart. So we must always check our hearts to see if love is our motivation. Now listen, we fail every day in this. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't check our hearts to see if love is our motivation. It doesn't mean that we shy away from it because we're scared or condemned. No. Your father who loves you is saying, go ahead, it's okay, check your heart. Is it good today or bad today? I'm right here. Is it good today or bad today? Are you doing this out of love for me? You're doing this for another reason. And while it might hurt, it's good, as has also come from this pulpit. One th the one thing, obviously, we don't want is our efforts to be empty, right? Imagine doing all this for nothing, having it not be worth anything in God's eyes. Our persistence, our learning, our praying, right? Our trying to obey his commands. Imagine doing it, and he says, Ugh. it was wood, hay, and straw. Sorry, your heart just wasn't good. It wasn't right. You refused to check it before me. You did it for ulterior motives. So, perspective on wisdom. This is kind of like, a, again, the thread that God is weaving into this attitude towards wisdom. God's wisdom is grounded in his love. Gaining his wisdom doesn't just include growing in his love. God's wisdom is infused with love because God is love. So just think about that for a minute. God's wisdom is grounded in his love. Gaining his wisdom doesn't only include growing in his love. God's wisdom is infused with love because God is love. 1 John 4, 8 and 16 says God is love. So how could we possibly get his wisdom without gaining his love if God is love? If we're gaining God's wisdom, we will simultaneously be gaining and growing in God's love. Does that make sense? Hopefully. <laughs> so I just have a little analogy. Hopefully this will get the point across a little bit. It's like an oil infused with spices or herbs. Many of you have these at home, right? We've got some really neat oils for helping us breathe or fresh in the air or whatever, healthy for the skin. And these oils are infused with spices or herbs of some kind. When you take and use that oil, 
you can't help but have those herbs too. Right? Is it possible to take some of the oil without the herb? No, why? It is literally part of the oil. It is infused in the oil. Say it's peppermint oil, for example. The peppermint is in the oil. You, you can't separate it. It's impossible. So it is with God's love and God's wisdom. So if, if love isn't coming along, if we're not growing in love, and we think we're gaining God's wisdom, we might want to, you know, look backwards, take a step back, and say, huh, maybe I'm missing something here. So on the board, some more perspective on wisdom. If we're just going through the motions in seeking God's wisdom, and we're doing so out of religious obligation or knowledge gathering, and not out of love for God, we're wasting our time. Read 1 Corinthians 13. If we're, not, if we're just going through the motions in seeking God's wisdom and we're doing so out of religious obligation or knowledge gathering and not because of or out of the love for God, we're wasting our time. We saw this in a passage last week when a wise scribe responded to our Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll see that later in this series probably on Thursday. You could gain all the wisdom in the world. You could sacrifice all you want to God, but without love it's unacceptable and worthless in God's eyes. And that, that almost seems kind of harsh, right? But Lord, I'm trying. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm, but you're trying with, the, with your flesh. You're trying to impress me on your own in some way. You know? God would say, why are you doing that? Without love, it's unacceptable and worthless in God's eyes, that, this pursuit. So love must come first, and so it is with our attitude towards wisdom. Our attitude towards wisdom must include love for God. I want wisdom because I want to get to know this God better. You know, to some degree, Lord, I love you. I'm not perfect, but I love you because you love me and help me keep this perspective. That's, that's got to be our basis for the search for wisdom. The proper attitude, you might say. So obviously this is really an important topic. Um, it's so important to regularly check ourselves. What am I doing and why am I doing it? And this is where daily prayer comes in and daily prayer can rescue us and even save us from deceiving ourselves. If, if, you're in, if you're in a Bible five hours a day and you're not praying for guidance, you're, you're going to be deceived. You're going to end up deceiving yourself into almost elevating yourself because of the knowledge you're gaining, but you're not going to grow in God's love if you're not asking for His guidance and His help and understanding what you're reading. That's the supernatural help of the Spirit we read about. So daily prayer can save us from deceiving ourselves as we go on this search, this seeking. The one thing we don't want to do is do it in vain. We don't want to fall out of faith or out of love with God in the process of doing some works for Him. So remember this. 
as, as we continue on this search this week even, and, and you do so at home, God possesses all wisdom. We know this. He possesses all wisdom. So therefore, remember God knows our every thought already. So therefore, prayer should be a place of utterly honest communication with our Heavenly Father. Like really open and honest. Sometimes we hold back something as though He doesn't see it. You know, I, can, I even sometimes catch myself doing it in prayer where I'm saying something to Him and then in the back of my mind I get this little thought about, yeah, what about this? And I don't tell Him. It's the weirdest thing. It's the foolish foolish thing to do, obviously. He has all wisdom. So prayer should be an utterly honest communication with our Heavenly Father. And when we humbly ask for help, even help with our motivation, the Bible says He will answer. He's not like a bad father who's not going to answer. Turn in your Bibles again to uh, Matthew 7, verse 7. We saw this verse uh, probably a week ago too, I think. Matthew 7, 7. So there you are. You know, you're searching God with the wrong motivation. You discover. Maybe it's just even a bad day. And you tell God about it openly and honestly. And guess what? You do this really humbling thing that the flesh doesn't like to do. You ask for help. Instead of striving in the flesh, you ask for help. Even with your motivation. How that works, I don't know. But I know God is a God of faithfulness and love and truth, and He wants to help us with these things. So look at Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? I have no idea how God gives us more faith or how God increases our love or how God fixes our motivation. But we know He can do it, right? All He's waiting for is our humility to be present and willing. How do we know, how do you explain how God gave Solomon wisdom more than any other man that ever lived in it up to that time? How do you explain how God did that? Right? It's totally supernatural, indescribable, uh, not understandable, but God did it. For him, because he was humble and he asked for the right things. So there's another reason to have a positive attitude in life. This is our God and Father. Like in Matthew 7, 11. If you're evil and you give good things to your kids, and we are evil, right? <laughs> Compared to God especially, we're, we're sinners. If we are able to do good things for our kids, how much more is your Father in Heaven going to give what's good to those who ask Him? Jesus might say, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Look how I've treated you. Look at all these people I've healed who basically have just asked. <laughs> how can we not have a positive attitude about life? So the point is, as we begin to close, 
God loves us enough to answer our prayers as the good father that he is. And so, uh, as believers, we should check ourselves to see if what we're asking for is out of love. If what we're doing is out of love. That's the least we can do, if you want to look at it that way. God's already loved us. He's promised to answer our prayers. The least we can do is be honest with him and ask for help, even with checking our motivation and with loving God. If God loves us and takes care of us the way he does, how can we not check our motivation and see if what we're asking for is out of love for him or not? Think of Romans 2.4. God's kindness leads us to repentance. Repentance, we might say, is a change of attitude, a change of mind, a turning around. But it's a heart issue, right? What leads us to do that? What leads us to uh, change our attitude? God's kindness. The love he's already shown us. Just look at the cross, right? And when we're struggling and we're, you know, (laughs) tied down by our flesh one day, we ask for help. Lord, free me from this bondage because it's got me right now. I want to do this out of love. I don't want to do this out of obligation some kind of religious checklist. I don't want to do it out of that. Help me do it with the right motivation, Lord. So we'll close with this point on the board. Again, from the blog, A Cold Shell of Obedience. If we're simply going through the motions, we are failing, no matter how magnificent our labors might appear outwardly or even superficially to ourselves in the mirror. We can convince ourselves of an awful lot when we put our minds to it. The human mind is especially adept at counterfeiting. And if that's us, if, if, that, if you're guilty, confess it. In humility, confess it. Turn to God for help. Say, please, Lord, fix my motivation. I want to do everything out of the right heart and appreciation and love for you. So I guess we'll leave it off there, and we'll continue with this series on the attitude of wisdom uh, on Thursday. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again so much for your wonderful word and your wonderful spirit that guides us and helps us understand these things. We ask that you help us take these principles home and dwell on them and have your spirit open our eyes to things we're not seeing right now. Lord, we even ask for help with our motivation, that we be rightly motivated out of love for you in everything we do, including our search for wisdom. Father, we ask that you bless us all as we go. We ask these things in Christ's precious name. By the power of your spirit, we pray. Amen.